Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to your words, this is a story that many of us will know well, but help us to have open hearts to hear what you want us to hear tonight and to learn and apply it to our lives. Amen. Now, faithfulness, what does it mean to you? Maybe you see it as someone staying loyal in a relationship. Maybe you see it as remaining, um, remaining with your favorite sports team, even if they're not doing very well. Or maybe you see it as never betraying your regular coffee shop for another coffee retailer. All these things are great, but in the broken world that we live in, unfortunately, faithfulness can go. I think in the world today, it can be hard to see true, genuine faithfulness. I think, if we're honest, we're encouraged that when things get hard, it's easier just to abort the situation and get out. Why put ourselves through the pain and turmoil when the grass is greener on the other side? With so much pressure and temptation around not to be faithful, I think we have an incredible passage tonight to help us not just to know what faithfulness looks like, but how to show, how to show it too. Now, I've broken our passage up into three points to help us to see this. First point, the faithful believer. The second, the faithful God. And third, the faithful response. So, our first point, verses 1 to 10, the faithful believer. At the start of this chapter, we need to understand there's a new king in town. Darius was king over the Medes and the Persians. This is another people who didn't quite see eye to eye with the Hebrews, so who Daniel belonged to. The change of kings brings in a whole new regime for how things were going to be done and a new culture that belonged with it. Now, let's not forget, in Daniel's time, there has been a flow of kings in and out of the kingdom. It's not like how for many of us, we may have only seen one coronation in our lives. In Babylon, they've gone through a fair few. And as with any new leader, they like to change things up. And Darius is not an exception to this. Look down at uh, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6 with me. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, of whom Daniel was one, of whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. The first thing Darius does is to strengthen his empire is to set up a huge task force. 120 satraps, which we can understand as like local leaders, and three high officials or leaders who are responsible for them. The king seems to somewhat have his head screwed on compared to the previous kings who tried to go it all alone. In theory, the more people that he's got working in his name, the stronger his kingdom's going to be. And it's within this upper leadership team we find Daniel. We join Daniel the exile excelling in the kingdom, even when we may have expected him to have fallen out of favour. A new leader brought into office with an enemy, a Hebrew, excelling in a role of power. Even though culture may have naturally pushed Daniel out, it seems Darius has decided to keep Daniel in his, previous, in his role due to his previous merits in the kingdom. But let's not forget what Daniel's been through to even get here. Having built up quite a reputation um, for showing respect to the king back in chapter 1, by God's wisdom answering two unanswerable dreams in chapters 2 and 4, and then making sense of the writing on the wall in chapter 5. 
Daniel has made it to the top of the kingdom. And don't take my word for it. Look at verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. From exile who knew nothing of the way of Babylonian life, Daniel has worked his way up to be not just a respected member of society, but second in the kingdom. But what I said actually is not quite right. Have a look back down. Daniel has gone through the ranks because, in verse 3, an excellent spirit was in him. Daniel was clearly a man who trusted and respected the culture, but he did not let that compromise God, and he wasn't afraid to say so. It was clear that in everything, it did, in everything he did, he, it wasn't accomplished by his own hand, but by God's. Now, a few years ago, I noticed the way our previous senior minister, John Samuels, spoke. Whenever he planned anything, whether it be holidays, work trips, events here in the church, he'd say something that always stood out to me. God willing. We plan to go on holiday. God willing. We plan to do this event in the church. God willing. Who does all the power point to in that? God it showed recognition that we may plan things, but at the end of the day, it's all down to God. I can imagine that that's similar to the way that Daniel set himself out in his actions, being clear in his aims and work, but leaning completely on God for whatever would come. And we see this back in Daniel's first proclamation to, the, to King Nebuchadnezzar back in chapter 2. Just flick back to that. Um, chapter 2, we're looking around verses 20 or so. Blessed be, the king, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. To you, O God, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. Well, such a selfless and respected person by the king must have been a fan favorite with the people, right? Well, not quite. Flip back to chapter 6 and look down at verse 4. Then the high officials, or presidents, and the satraps sought to find ground, a ground for complaint against Daniel. The first response to Daniel succeeding is for Darius's loyal leaders to make him fail. For every other official in the city, it's clear that Daniel is better than them, and they want none of it. Especially as he's not just stayed in position, but got promoted in a kingdom that they've just overthrown. Now, think of it like this. Has anyone seen the film Hacksaw Ridge? An incredible film about a Christian medic who joins the American army but refuses to take up arms. In his refusal to use a gun... He's outed by every cadet and sergeant. Desmond Doss is overwhelmed by physical, verbal, and mental abuse throughout the entirety of his training. But this is all because the group know they can't kick him out. So they make him want to leave of his own accord. But he sticks through it all and makes it to the battlefield to do what he felt God wanted him to do. That's pretty much what we're seeing here. The jealous leaders trying everything in their power to stop Daniel. But no matter how hard they try, 
They can't find any fault in him to have him dismissed. There are no missed time sheets, no detentions, no disciplinaries or misconducts in office. Daniel has no skeletons in his cupboard. He's squeaky clean. In Daniel's many years of service in the kingdom, run by another culture, he has remained faithful to the culture while not uh, compromising his faithfulness to God. So they come up with a way to make sure he gets out without being directly involved, as they know they can't do anything to get him out. So they try and catch him out by opposing the laws of his faith and the laws of their state. And we see in verse 9, the law is passed by means of flattering the king and then threats that he should do as the law of his people would. This is where we see the leader's dislike in Daniel develop into a hatred to have him killed. Now, there may be times that you feel like the whole world's against you or that people are out for you because of your faith. Maybe you've struggled with progressing in a job because it means giving up Sundays or going, up, going to church altogether. Or maybe you're the outsider of a sports team because you don't want to be a part of the socials because you know the behaviours involved aren't appropriate. Instead of feeling overwhelmed, what do we see Daniel do here? Verse 10. He gets down on his knees and prays as he has done previously. It may have been tempting to run and demand that things be changed and use his title to back things up. It may have been tempting to pray, but just deny that he'd actually prayed at all. It may have been tempting for Daniel just to stop and give it all in together. But for Daniel, it was obvious. God is in control, so he should be the one being prayed to. Daniel has seen the power of God so many times already, and he knows that going to the true almighty is the only real thing to do, the right thing to do. Now, it's not getting easier for Christians to stand out. The expectations of jobs and the social pressures of how we should enjoy life are flying further and further away from the truth of the gospel. We need to stay faithful to God and, as Daniel, not stop praying when we are under these pressures. Did you notice how Daniel prays? On his knees, showing respect to God, giving thanks and supplications or requests, and with his windows open, showing he was not afraid of people hearing him. It can be easy to focus our prayers always on asking for help, but let's be encouraged by this faithful believer, Daniel, and follow Daniel's model of prayer to be respectful when we pray to God, to thank God for what he's done while also bringing requests to him and not being afraid of who may hear us. But Daniel's example here just points to one greater than him, Jesus himself. Jesus, before going to the cross, went into Gethsemane and prayed. In Matthew 26, verse 39, Jesus prayed, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus had the power to stop everything that was going to happen at the cross. But in his faithfulness to his Father in heaven, he prayed and showed trust in God for whatever was going to happen. In both their situations, both Daniel and Jesus, 
They knew God is faithful and mighty, so he was the only one to go to, no matter the pressures they faced from the world. Maybe you can think of a time that you've been broken, so helpless to a situation, so scared, that you've not known what to do. Can I encourage you, follow the example of faithful Daniel and Jesus himself to show your faith in God, that God is good, and get on your knees and pray to him. Show that you have faith in him, that he is in control. But some of you may be thinking, but I've never seen what God can do, or but my situation is just even out of his control. Well, stick with me, and let's look at how God demonstrates his faithfulness to Daniel in our passage. And this is our second point, the faithful God, verses 11 to 24. In our story, it seems the men have wasted no time in trying to catch Daniel out. Not long after the the decree is passed, they go exactly to where they would expect to find Daniel praying, and they do. Their plan has worked. They've caught Daniel, the exile out, and the king has no option but to have him thrown into the den of lions. But did you notice Daniel's response to what's going on? When it is declared he must go, he does. This just furthers his faith in God, that God is faithful. And this is not the first time that we've seen this type of faith in the book. Um, Back in uh, chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, we see Daniel's mates have been told to bow before the golden statue, otherwise they'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. Let me just read it for us. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no uh, no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will, serve not, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. The friends show an incredible trust that God is faithful, even when they don't know what the outcome is going to be. No matter the opposition, they know their God is mightier and more powerful. Even if they die, they want to be faithful to God as they know ultimately he has the power over death. This is what we're seeing here in chapter 6 with Daniel. Daniel knows whether he lives or dies, God will reign. Now, don't misunderstand. This is no blind faith. There is no lack of understanding of what's going on. I mean, if you consider a trust fool, where you stand in, front, stand in front of someone and you kind of fall back and you hope they'll catch you, testing, the tru- testing their trust. Well, the trust that we see Daniel doing here is really different. It's as if someone's going, you lean back, but someone's holding you the whole way down. There is not one second that you are out of control. That's what Daniel's demonstrating here. At no point is he unsure that God is in control but he's submitting to whatever that means. It's interesting here that it's not just Daniel demonstrating faith in God either. Did you notice what Darius said before and after Daniel um, is put into the den? Look down at verse 16. 
he calls to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And then in verse 20, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, everyone's been to hospital or the doctors, yeah? And you'll know you go in and have a little sit and wait for a bit, unless if it's an emergency, and you wait for the doctor to try and tell you what's wrong. You don't go in there, sit in the chair, get out your first aid kit on the table next to you, tell them your symptoms and say, right, I'm ready to help, what can I do? No, you go in and put your faith in the doctor to help as they're the only person who can. This is what we are seeing Darius doing here. The powerless king putting faith in Daniel's powerful God. It may not have been painted over the walls of the kingdom, but it would have been common knowledge what Daniel and his friends had already achieved in the name of God. So this could have been Darius questioning, if anything has happened, like what happened in the furnace, it's down to Daniel's God, because he has been faithful to them before. And what does Darius then see? God showing his faithfulness to his faithful believer. Daniel comes out unharmed by the lions, and he comes out praising God. Verse 21, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut them at lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. God was faithful to Daniel as he has been faithful to him. And we know if we look at verse 24 that this was truly a work of God. The punishment is put on the accusers and their families, and before they've even touched the floor, the lions have overpowered them and broken all their bones. In 2022, uh, the film Beast was released. And throughout the film, you see the strength and might of a lion. Now, before seeing the film, I knew lions were strong. But the way that the film set out lions, I'm now sure that I never want to meet one face to face. The lions in the den were not tame. They were not having an off day. They weren't full from their last meal. They were beasts that would overcome anything that came across them. But the angel sent from God restrained them. It's important to realize that these are key facts because otherwise they could discredit the power of God here. And we need to remember the den would have been a genuinely terrifying place to go. A dark cave, no exit, stone rolled across the front, not even the guarantee of light. And then you've got hungry lions in there too. But Daniel had faith in God nonetheless. I think it's helpful for us to see here that God's faithfulness didn't stop Daniel going into the lion's den. This can help us to see that God being faithful to us isn't always going to be easy sailing. There may be times which are rough, lonely, or scary, but we have to have faith that he is faithful. Now, a few years ago, um, my grandma died, and it broke my granddad. A faithful believer who'd been an elder in the church, a preacher, he'd been a member there pretty much all his life. 
was going through is what he described as one of the hardest and darkest times of his life. No clear understanding of why God would put him through that. But after around a year, he was able to see God's faithfulness in it. Another man in the church became a widower. In all the pain my granddad had gone through, he was able to get alongside this man. He was able to pray with him like nobody else had been had a, or was able to. Looking back, my granddad would say, there are still rough times, but in God's faithfulness to him, he was able to point others to God's faithfulness. Now, I don't say that to say how amazing my granddad is, but just to point out, it doesn't matter how far we are in our walks with the Lord, there will be times that, are, that there are pressures and we have to have faith in him. And that it's only after, sometimes, not a guarantee, but after we can sometimes see glimpses of God's faithfulness in those dark times. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, that's fine, but so many people die for God. How's that winning? Well, picture it like this. The life cycle of a plant. The plant grows from a seed into a plant. And when it dies, it spreads new seeds. From the death of an old one, a new one can live. Something good from bad. As Christians today, we can look to what this means by what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. He was undeniably dead. But he rose three days later, breaking death. The power and glory of God demonstrated in his son prevailing over death. Jesus' death means we don't have earthly life, but eternal life with God. Daniel had faith in God that he would be just. We can and do have faith in God because he's already won. And we should see and be encouraged by verses like Romans 10 verse 13 with this in mind. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This verse references to being saved, but not from earthly death, but eternal death and separation from God. God is faithful and just. And if we put our faith in him, we will be with him in eternity. So for us today, we may be going through tough or challenging times, but we know if we put faith in God, we may not understand the whole process, but he will be faithful to us. Now our story closes with an interesting ending. All this trouble has been caused by a decree to honor Darius overall. But what does Darius do? Decree all to tremble and fear the God of Daniel. This is our final and much shorter point, verses 25 to 28, the faithful response. Now let me just read that for us again. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. It's 
incredible if you think about the change of roles in this chapter. We started off with Darius setting up his kingdom so that it would be strong. But now we see him not pointing to himself, but pointing to God. The way that Darius speaks here shows that God is not merely a God of Israel like there are many gods of the land. But he says he's the living God. Just look down at those verses again. Don't worry, I am telling you to look down. And consider these things. Living God. His kingdom will never be destroyed. He delivers and rescues. How does that make you feel? Well, as we close, it can make you feel one of two things. If you're a believer... Know that that is your heavenly father being quoted there. Powerful, invincible, with the power to save. Christian, your God has the power to save you, and he has. So can I encourage you, after the service, take some time to remember how amazing your faithful God is. And declare it out loud like Darius. Now, there is another feeling that this can give. If you're not a believer, this can all seem pretty random and distant, if we're honest. Can I encourage you to consider what we've looked at tonight? That God is faithful to his faithful believers. And that even in times of challenge, he will be faithful to the end. And that can be the same for you, if you put your faith in him. Now, our closing verse brings us back to Daniel prospering in the kingdom. After everything that Daniel has been through in this chapter, we can see that God has been faithful to his faithful believer. Let's pray. You are the living God, enduring forever. Your kingdom shall never be destroyed. Your dominion shall be to the end. You deliver and rescue. You work signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. You who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Father, we pray that these be true to us. And that you help us to have faith in you especially in the times that we feel pressures from society against our faith. Amen. Now, we're going to sing a song which will help us to respond to this and affirm our faith in God. So please stand as we sing, Faithful One.